a lot of people just let things happen to them and then problems can occur. So people come into our office and they say, I don't know how I got to this position. They just worked hard their entire life. They, you know, they put their head down, they raised their kids, they put money in their 401ks, maybe they inherited some money, but they just worked hard and all of a sudden they get to retirement and they go, oh my gosh, I've got these problems I didn't know I had and they're good problems to have, they're better than not having money, but there's things that have occurred and usually the way we see people deal with them is they stick their head in the sand. Buckle up for this one, folks, because we're not messing around. This episode, which is a follow-up to episode 32, gets down to the nitty-gritty of tax strategies for retirement. Our primary message, don't do that. With sound financial advice and some planning, we can all set a course to enjoying the fruits of our hard-earned retirement savings you'll come away with a better understanding of the downfalls to mutual funds and a new way of thinking about capital gains as something for you to manage, not dodge at your own expense. Enjoy updates, guffaws, and a whole new understanding of the interplay between sound tax planning and enjoying the kind of retirement you've dreamed of and earned. This is the Retirement Equals Freedom Podcast. Your host, Josh Brettel is the owner of FSR Wealth Strategies, and it's Josh who for the last few decades has been helping fine folks like you make retirement the best part of your life. And me? Hey there, I'm Dave, Josh's longtime friend, co-host, and huge fan of root beer barrels. You know, those awesome little candies. Okay, I'm starting to ramble like Josh, so that me, that you, that me, and my introduction, so we can start the show. FSR Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor located in Elmhurst, Illinois. Information and opinions contained in this audio have been arrived at by FSR Wealth Advisors. All information herein is for informational purposes and should not be construed as investment advice. It does not constitute an offer, solicitation, or recommendation to purchase any security. FSR is not providing legal, tax, accounting, or financial planning advice in this audio. These views are as of the date of this publication and are subject to change. Joshua. David. Happy uh, last podcast before the Super Bowl. Ooh, well, by the time these people hear this, the Super Bowl will be long gone. Correct, but it's the last time we're recording before the Super Bowl. I would like you to explain to our dear audience what we are uh, sipping on right now. Sure. So you helped me with more than just the podcast in this office. You actually helped me with all marketing. And we do a a newsletter that comes out monthly. And inside this newsletter, we have some updates of to what's going on, some common sense things. There's some really great articles. There's podcast episodes that are in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some things to get to know our office, um, as well as we try and put something fun in there every month. And this month was a video of you and I making a special Super Bowl cocktail. In fact, Josh, it was our second happy hour with Josh, as I have cleverly branded our segment. And our first cocktail was the Brettel Autumn Old Fashioned. Correct. It was a hit. I think, if I'm not mistaken, didn't the Food Channel reach out to you for the exclusive rights to the recipe? They did. I mean, we remember we talked about Jeff Morrow many, yeah. many podcasts ago. Yeah, he officially is trying to buy the rights to the Brettel Autumn Old Fashioned. There's just, you can't put a price on that. Yeah, well, he hasn't called me yet, but he's still trying, I think. <laughs> What's great about this recipe, Josh, is it... 
there's some nostalgia here because one of our favorite distilleries, Journeyman in Michigan, is uh, we have many fond memories there with our, with our group of homies. Yeah. And uh, we use their coffee liqueur in this. Yeah, uh, it was a lot of fun. And for some reason, we decided to do that before recording the podcast, which is, you know, you never know what I'm going to say now. Tax advice for everybody. Just wait until I talk about Dave relates to retirees. <laughs> That's going to be special. Do you know what Saturday is? Saturday, yeah. Saturday, mm-hmm. Saturday. Mm-hmm. No. It is the highly anticipated matchup between Landon Schmidt and Kevin Collins' son in basketball. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I may or may not have told Landon to not pass and to go for 30. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. If there's any parents of Landon's teammates, I'm sorry. I uh, may not sound great right now, but... So Dave and I have talked about our high school glory days of playing basketball together for a long time. Kevin was a friend of ours who we played basketball with. And then he just decided to pick up and move out of town and out of the country. And now all of a sudden he's back in the Chicagoland area. And he has a son the same age as Landon. And you guys are in the same basketball league, which is kind of funny. So Yeah. It's all night Donkey Kong, baby. So that is the second old teammate reference in two weeks. I mean, last week mm-hmm. we talked about our friend Mark Thomas, and uh, Mark and Kevin know each other well. So uh, you know, maybe one day Major Mark will move back to town, and uh, his kids can play against you too. I bet they. I bet they could beat you. I bet you they're probably already seven foot four. Yeah, with rebounding arms galore. So. <laughs> This Saturday, we kind of had, it was supposed to be, we've been looking forward to this all year. Um, right around Thanksgiving, Missy got t- tickets to the Ice Castles in Lake Geneva. Oh, yeah. I'd never been to them. They sounded really cool. The pictures look awesome, but it has been too warm to make ice. And last weekend was the first time they were open because it was cold enough to make ice. And then this week, it was 45 all week long, and it rained all day today. So they've decided to close for the season. So they had oh. one day, I think they were open the whole season. So the oh, poor ice castles. that stinks. So next year, we try again for more ice castles. Yeah. Yeah, what are you going to do? Poor ice castles. Speaking of ice, I wish we could use some of that in the office right now. It is like oh, sauna in here. I'm sweating. I just chewed into the microphone a giant thing of ice. I am so sorry. Um, Josh, how's the gallbladder doing? Have you have you spoken to it since it was removed from your body? No, we're estranged. No. There's no like gallbladder Instagram account that's keeping it or anything? <laughs> no, oh, no. We're, okay. it, it, I think it went straight from my body to pathology to wherever they take those things. But <laughs> I feel great. Like, I really feel outstanding. Um you know, I'm eating well. I'm, you know, I'm everything's everything's hunky dory in my in my book. It's which is good. We're moving back into our house right now, so I'm lugging stuff all over the place. And uh, and you, you know. made your, yourself sound like you're 84 by using the word hunky dory. Hunky dory. Hey, I have a beautiful sack of paper here from Aaron, and I believe today I'll let you introduce the episode. But it looks like these look like familiar terms to me. Oh, oh, well, they're only familiar because we just recorded a podcast very similar to this. Oh, that's why. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. It's uh, This is actually part two. Um, if you remember the last episode, I started telling you all these horrible things that could occur. And like my father likes to yell at me, never come to me with a problem without a potential solution. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, this is going to be the more important one. This is going to be the solution to the problem because you know my belief of owning your retirement and owning owning the solutions that come to you, but a lot of people just let things happen to them. And then problems can occur. So people come into our office and they say, I don't know how I got to this position. They just worked hard their entire life. They you know, they put their head down, they raised their kids, they put money in their 401ks, maybe they inherited some money, but they just worked hard. And all of a sudden they get to retirement and they go, oh my gosh, 
I've got these problems I didn't know I had, and, the, and there are good problems to have. They're better than not having money. But there's things that have occurred, and usually the way we see people deal with them is they stick their head in the sand. If I'm understanding correctly, this episode is the the mustard to last episode's hot dog. It's the the jarnera to last week's Italian beef, the pepperoni to last week's pizza. Am I get, am I kind of on the right track here? It's um, the solution to the problem. I mean, oh. it is. It's it's the best part. It's this is the this is the episode. If you're going to listen to an episode, you want this one. So I'm right. Yeah, uh, I was you cool. are like jardinera, like pepperoni, like pizza and mustard. <laughs> yeah, whatever. So Erin is very detailed, and as I was reading through this, she made sure to tell me that we were supposed to recap the problems. So I'm going to recap the problems first. So uh, if you're talking about the problems, we're actually this is the this is one of the two episodes that we're not talking about IRAs and 401ks. We're talking about the money that's not inside IRAs and 401ks, and and some of the problems that occur with it. Now, first off, one of the problems comes to be mutual funds, and mutual funds are a very popular investment, especially when you're just getting started. But they also have their own inherent problems that people don't deal with. And and what are those? Well, first off, they're expensive. You're going to pay anywhere from 0.15 up to 1.5 to invest inside of a mutual fund. And that is on top of whatever you pay an advisor or anything along those lines. Now, obviously, you want cheaper. The cheaper, the better. But with technology nowadays, for a lot of positions, you can actually replicate it with just plain stock, which is free of charge. So, for example, um, you know, people love their S&P 500 index funds. They're great. Vanguard is a great one. Fidelity, they all have good S&P replication funds. And they're going to range anywhere from 0.08 up to 1 or 0.19. But you can now buy the individual stocks for free of charge. And those stocks don't have those underlying investments. So that is a really smart thing to do when you have that option. The next part as it comes into play is those mutual funds, when you own those, they have distributions inside of them. So they have capital gain distributions and dividend distributions. We talked about those last week. But those occur whether you like it or not. And you have no control. But when you own the underlying stocks, you have control over that. You're begging me for for an example here. I mean, I was just kind of like punching you. Give me an example. Mm-hmm. So let's let's say you own this mutual fund, and it is a large cap growth mutual fund. And a mutual fund has its own underlying rules that it has to abide by. They might own anywhere from 30 to 300 different companies or, or investments inside the mutual fund. And they all have certain percentages and certain ranges. And what they do is they might say, hey, if it gets out of range by – X percentage, we have to rebalance and bring it back into range. It's called rebalancing. It's a good process to have in place. We, we, we rebalance all of our clients' portfolios. You helped me rebalance after my second cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving you two cocktails. Mm. But the rebalancing comes into play if you have it inside of a mutual fund, inside of a, a not an IRA, that becomes a taxable event. They could be buying and selling inside of there, and there's capital gains that get pushed out. Now, what happens is if you own the underlying stocks, you can decide when to rebalance. If it gets really out of whack, yeah, you may want to rebalance. But if it doesn't, you can kind of keep the keep it how you have it there. So by owning those individual stocks, if you have more than just say, you know, a hundred thousand, a couple hundred thousand dollars, you can do it really efficiently. Mm. And there's people who we who walk into our office with millions of dollars and they're sitting in expensive mutual funds that there's a lot better option and ways to do it. Does that make sense, Dave? 
Yeah, I mean, of course. I, you're no. This is just this is common knowledge to me. I'm just uh, <laughs> I'm letting you go on a rant here. That capital gain distribution, those dividend distributions, those are what we commonly refer to as tax drag Mm -hmm. because they're causing unnecessary taxes. And when you pay unnecessary taxes, that means you've lost money you didn't need to pay. Hashtag tax nerd. Boy, I didn't think we'd get that in this episode. Sure did. But when that happens, you can fix that. It's like adding an instant rate of return to your portfolio and you didn't have to do anything for it. Now, another problem that occurs is you have you can have high appreciation. And it's not appreciation like I have appreciation for you. Yeah. It's appreciation as in the value goes up. Oh. Okay. And we see this a lot. You know, someone is working, actually had someone in my office this week that through work, they had acquired quite a bit of shares of McDonald's. They'd worked at McDonald's for a long time. And so they had about a $20,000 basis in McDonald's, but their stock was worth well over $400,000. So what occurs there, though, is that gain, that difference is $380,000. If they sell it, that's a taxable event. That is a capital gain? That is a capital gain, my friend. Oh, man. I knew it. Uh, You're going to be like 60, and you're going to be like, I can be an advisor. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> Take me long to pass all those exams, that's yeah, for sure. That's true. But uh, but that appreciation occurs. Now, my opinion on this is that is there for you. That money is there for your use and your desire. Now, what most people do is they stick their head in the sand. They say, hey, I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to think about it. Then why do you even have the money? Like If you're not going to use it, if, you're not, if, if it's just going to be useless and you're afraid to touch it, what's the purpose of it? Why have it? But that money can make a real difference in your life. It can make a difference in somebody else's life. Now, the reason people don't touch it is because there is a rule called the step-up and basis rule. The way the step-up and basis rule works is, let's use our client or the person who came into our office with McDonald's stock. Mm -hmm. If they were to die with that stock, all of a sudden the capital gain gets wiped out. And so they call it a step up in basis. The basis was 20. Mm-hmm. If they die with it, all of a sudden the basis gets stepped up to $400,000. The worth of the, the, the net worth. The, the value, gain of the value stock. goes to zero. That's in there. So what you have it what you have it in there for is called your basis. And what it's worth is, is the gain there. Or the difference between the two is the gain. And so when the basis gets stepped up, the growth or the gain goes to zero. And that happens upon death. So people will often say, well, I'm just going to die with it. And when that's the case, your plan is death. Your plan, I mean, you might as well not even have the asset. Now, for some people, it makes sense. For some people, they've got so much money that, you know, death, okay, you're going you're gonna to leave it a legacy anyways. Let's plan on this. But there's a real problem. The, the, one of the big problems is the step-up in basis is a gift given to you by the U.S. tax code, and they could change that in a heartbeat. If you are planning out the whole time, you're really relying on the U.S. government, and, and you're taking, you're giving them control. You're giving them the ability to to set your your control there. You make okay? it sound risky. It is risky. Mm-hmm. It, it's very risky. Now, if you're near dead, it's probably not much risk. You know, our our mission statement of making sure that your retirement is the best part of your life. Why have that money if you're just going to plan on dying with it? So but there's things you can look at. So one is, I tell you people, let's take control of it. We can look at, at minimizing capital gains. But there's other ways to do it too. So one is just having a plan for how you're going to get it out. Um, maybe we can get it out and we call the 0% tax bracket. By managing your income, which is comes with good planning, we can actually 
work on getting stuff out at 0%. So that person that we just talked about, the 0% tax bracket for them can go up to about $100,000 of income. And so if they have $380,000 of gains, in about four years, we could get all that money out, assuming no additional growth, for 0% federal tax. That's pretty darn impressive that now all of a sudden, you've got that money there for them to spend, to use. It's no longer just a piece of art that says McDonald's on it that's hanging on their wall. Or like like emu artwork with McDonald's. mm -hmm, Emu. Emu. (laughs) <laughs> emu, like the bird or like... Yeah, emu, yeah. Emmanuel Todd Lopez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It becomes usable then. It's not just emu artwork mm-hmm. with golden arches on it. But maybe you're a really high income earner. Maybe you have large capital gains, you've got dividends, you've got rentals, you've got pensions, you've got all sorts of things, and you're always going to be in a high capital gains bracket. Well, then maybe it's just managing it to get it into the 15% bracket, out of the 20% bracket, or managing it to try and avoid the net investment income tax. These are all things that I'm speaking gibberish to you, but they're all tax terms that, if you actually manage them, can be taken under control. And the next one is there is is charity is not a bad way to go about, too. There's some really cool charitable strategies that, if you're just going to leave money to the next generation anyways, you can get a pretty darn big charitable deduction, still leave the same amount to the next generation, but also on the same time convert a large Roth conversion. You know, there, there's things that you can do that make it really, really impressive. Um, and the other avenue is you look at it, if you have a high capital gain, those are the single greatest assets for you to donate. Everyone wants to be donated cash, but Dave, if you wanted to donate your shares of McDonald's to me, I'll take them. Okay. Um, I'm not a charity, but you should give them to a charity, so don't give them to me. But if you gave your shares of highly appreciated stock to a charity, you kind of get like a double deduction. Mm. And the way we talk about that is, you know, if you just gave cash, so let's say you gave $20,000 in cash, you're going to get a $20,000 deduction. But let's say you gave $20,000 of highly appreciated stock. Okay. So let's say the stock went as a $5,000 basis, it's worth 20. So it's a $15,000 capital gain. So you're going to avoid the $15,000 capital gain. And you're going to get a $20,000 deduction. So it's kind of like a double deduction. So it's a great thing to donate. So I always tell people, don't give to charity just for the tax deduction. But if you're going to give to charity, get the biggest tax deduction you possibly can. All right. So what else could you do? I mean, you don't have an IRA um, because this is not IRA money. This is money that's not inside of an IRA. What should you do? Again, this all comes to good, solid planning. But there's a few things that we look at on here. First off, one of the few tax-free vehicles that we'll utilize that is not an IRA and you don't have to qualify from a financial standpoint to it, but it's specially designed life insurance. If you have a lot of non-qualified assets, there are some pretty neat things you can do from a tax perspective with specially designed life insurance. The other thing is using some tax deferrals. So there's some things, you know, maybe you're in a high tax rate right now and you want to avoid dividends and capital gains. Uh, You can use some different annuities to avoid income right now and defer it to a spot where you're in a lower tax bracket. There is a thought process on how you spend. Usually we'll tell people to spend their non-IRA money first. Well, there you make it, you want to make that almost kind of the safe money then if you're going to spend it soon. And so you start spending it down. You have a spending you have a spending plan to start minimizing some of those things. Charity is always a great play. We talked about charity for a few seconds. Mm-hmm. But the last one there is appreciation versus income. 
if you just love to have the stocks and that that's the best thing for you, inside of your non-qualified account, let's look for stocks that are highly appreciative versus stocks that pay a lot of income. So stocks that pay income are going to be the stocks that are, are dividend payers and they're producing income every year, which is a taxable event versus a stock that doesn't pay a dividend but grows significantly, mm -hmm. that's a capital appreciation and that has a better tax advantage for you than someone that's paying you a dividend every single year. So there's always this, this hierarchy of what you're looking to do. And with a good plan, you can really maximize the value there. Now, most people that come in and see us, they're focusing on their IRAs, their 401ks, their Roth accounts. But for about 25, 30% of the people that come in and see us, this is also a problem. And there are solutions to it. And it's don't just die with it. Don't just give up on the asset and pretend it's not there. Because you've worked hard for this. Even though you don't know how you got to this position, guess what? You can fix it. And if you're going to make this the best part of your life, this is something you're going to have to take, take control of as well. Mm -hmm. There's my Ooh. soapbox. Uh, how do I put this lightly? My head hurts. Oh. This is... I think your most technical episode to date. Yeah, I kind of thought that was coming. Oof. I mean, I'm sitting like, I know all these things, obviously. Obviously. But I mean, to like. Yeah, before the episode, Dave comes in and goes, what are we talking about? I go, don't worry. This is this one's all on me, buddy. <laughs> so. but, all right. I'll just, I'll just stick to my cocktails and my DR2R. <laughs> I mean, if it weren't for this cocktail, Josh, I think I may have run out the room crying and screaming. I mean, that was hard. We give hard knowledge. We give some we have quarterly education seminars to our clients. Yeah. Dave comes and helps us um, record them and edit them. And he was in charge of the video production for our last one, which was all on Medicare. And <laughs> we have some podcasts on Medicare coming up after this one, but the topic bored the snot out of Dave, and he could barely look at the camera anymore. In fact, I I, I did submit my virtual resignation after that event. <laughs> it was, was kind of yeah. But then you bought me pizza that night, and I'm like, I got okay, fine. I'll stay on for a few more <laughs> weeks. But um, so yeah, there was like pizza, and then um, yeah. Ooh. What? What? Okay. We did karaoke. Hey, Mr. Josh, let's take a break. You've been talking for so long And my ears are sore Let's not make them snore Listening shouldn't be a chore So let's get to know Josh and Dave and watch a rating soar That bird's oh, my yeah. favorite The bee? Mm -hmm, yeah uh -huh. We're gonna come uh -huh. up with a new one next time Ooh. I challenge you to a new name of bird Okay <laughs> What is the average wingspan of an African swallow? That is not our question. No, but that is Monty Python again. I'm oh, going yeah, back. That is true. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. So I went back to the pod deck this time and, and okay. uh, pulled a card here because I was running out of questions to ask you. And this sure. one's, this one, we'll see where it goes. You ready for Excited. it? Excited. Yeah. Hit me. What is one surefire way to grab your attention? Oh, man, Josh, some of these questions are, they're just, mm, it's hard to find a single path forward, like your favorite podcast question, because there's just, it's no such thing. There are times when I think I should show Dave this card before the podcast starts, but there's something about the having to answer it on the spot I think our audience enjoys about you. So I'm going to interpret this as I'm sitting on the couch or I'm at my day-to-day -day job 
and something that is for sure going to catch my attention. It's going to be a like a movie trailer or some type of trailer for something creepy like a new Tim Burton movie or show. I think that always stops me in my tracks and I'm like, "Oh, yeah, there's something macabre. Let me let me tune into this." Not necessarily Tim Burton, of course, but something yeah, more something, of the yeah, dark that. and creepy. I get that. Uh, because I do spend quite a bit of my time in front of a television and computer, so. <laughs> yeah. You do. Yeah, you do. I took this from a different viewpoint. I do a lot of public speaking, mm-hmm. and I've done a lot of training in public speaking, and they talk about the power of story. So yeah. the value of a good story. So if you come to any of my workshops, you will know that the first word out of my mouth goes straight into a story. Always. I try and go into a story as often as humanly possible. But I have found like my own brain mm-hmm. all of a sudden is attracted to stories. I love like, you know, you scroll f- social media and you have those random like videos that show up. And like as they start telling like the stories, the words crawl across, like I can't stop looking at it. So like <laughs> you give me a good story. Now I may scroll off if it's a stupid story, but uh, I'm with you on that. I get sucked into like the uh, when people are like rescuing random animals, I'm like, oh god, I got to see this. Like, oh, I wish I was that good of a human being to do that. Oh yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> so yeah, you do love a good story. You tell a good story. Sometimes they ramble. Sometimes they ramble. Why must you needlessly complicate everything? So a cop car just came flying in your parking lot. It was kind of weird. It was kind of creepy, but it made me think about this. Dave relates to retirees. <laughs> I can't wait to see where this one's going. Well, look, my DR2R does not relate to police. My pen is just falling apart. Where do you buy these things from, Josh? Those are expensive pens. Are they? Manhandling nothing. (laughs) I did. Um, I mentioned earlier this episode's a little hard for my small little brain (laughs) to uh, understand, but I picked up a few pieces, and a light bulb went off in my head, and I said, yes, I got it. I know how I can relate to this, this whole I, I was worried about you and relating to this episode. <laughs> more money, more more problems episode here. I mentioned the name Ichabod Crane. You know who that is? I'm sure it has something to do with Tim Burton. It, yeah, but Ichabod Crane, you know, yeah. I mean, Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he is, uh, he's essentially assigned to the case of the Headless Horseman in the small town of Sleepy Hollow. He's he from, is not the Headless Horseman. Though. He is not the Headless Horseman, no. He is a, um, a constable in New York, and he's assigned to this case. And so he goes and brings his fancy tools to the small town of Sleepy Hollow, and he arrives, and he thinks, I got a lot going for me. got these fancy new, new-age instruments that I can help solve crimes with. No one else in this small town has it, but I have it. Ichabod's kind of like retirees that have all this income, Josh. Would you agree? And and they think they're doing great, and they are doing great, like you said. Mm-hmm. M- money's a good thing, but then Ichabod is tasked with solving the crime of the Headless Horseman. And he is not just lopping heads off, he's actually taking heads back with him. He soon realizes, oh, I'm not in as great as a, of a position to solve these heinous murders as I thought I was. I don't know what to do. In comes Katrina Van Tassel, played by Christina Ricci. You knew that, right? No. No. Okay, mm-hmm. so spoiler alert, she's a good witch, and she kind of foreshadows all this, and she gives Ichabod a different perspective. She says, Ichabod, don't rely on your fancy tools. It's just a matter of optics. It's a matter of just seeing things in a different way. To me, Josh, you are like a Katrina Van Tassel. You I'm a good your, witch. You are a good witch. 
you give your clients kind of the ability to see, hey, there is a good path forward with all this. You don't have to be stuck paying all these taxes that you don't need to pay. So yeah, I get this. This episode is right in my wheelhouse, baby. You, Katrina Van Tassel, and your <laughs> and retirees are like Ichabod Crane. Do you know the last episode? Yeah. Your wow. DR2R involved, it was Come on. AST 9000 or something. I mean, uh, it was MST3K. Uh, yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, Mystery of Science Theater 3000. You went home and you binged it. Nope. Oh. Haven't watched it still. Okay. Uh, and there was all sorts of weird names in there that I didn't really follow or understand mm-hmm. or any of that stuff. Yeah. It was hard to relate to that. <laughs> um, so you pulled it out again this week with yeah. names and characters that I have no idea who they are. Really quick, dear listener, Josh attended the premiere of Sleepy Hollow mm-hmm. back on that fateful night in November mm-hmm. 1999. Mm-hmm. He was there next to me, mm-hmm. loving it as much as I did. November of 99? I came yeah. home from college yeah. to go watch that with <laughs> you. You were home for Christmas break because it was like around Thanksgiving. Oh, good God. I, yeah. What did I see in you? <laughs> um, you probably paid for me, too. I probably did. Buy your ticket <laughs> yeah. and everything. Um, but I actually have a relation to this. I know Believe it. it or not. I actually think you're pretty dead on. Like you, you. Ichabod, if I'm hearing this right, mm-hmm. comes in to solve this heinous murder and he thinks he's got everything going. I mean, and then he realizes, oh no, I really don't. I've got these issues. I, and I don't even know what the issues are yes. at that point mm-hmm. in time. So um, kind of like retirees, they look at their statements and they say, man, I am great. All of a sudden I've got this money I wasn't expecting. I'm doing fantastic, but oh wait, I can't touch this money so I'm just going to die with it. Mm. Or they don't realize that if they did it in a slightly different way that is more efficient and well-planned out, that they could be in a much better position. They could not have to just waste it. They could give a lot more to their selves, to their family, to their charity, whatever it might be, if they just would seek out the right help and the right guidance. So... For as much as you pull random characters that very few people care about to relate to, you're actually not too far off, in my opinion. Thank you, Josh. As you're talking, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm always looking for a good way to uh, write a good story. What if we do a mashup between Sleepy Hollow and Full House? Because your Full House moment is so majestic. Do I have to have a Sleepy Hollow moment? (laughs) I mean... Well, you'd be really cool if you did. <laughs> what are you guys doing for Super Bowl? Anything? Missy is selling Girl Scout cookies for the Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, this year, she is the cookie mom, as you know, and she scheduled a, a cookie booth and forgot it was Super Bowl Sunday. She's in front of the York Theater, which is right next to Starbucks. Okay. So she's in downtown Elmhurst. Yeah. So yeah, People will be out and about Sunday yeah. getting ready for the, game, the big game. That's my Super Bowl. How about you? Yeah, we're having the fam over. Um, I believe I'm going to be making this new... Um, what do you call it again? The Scott Smith Super Bowl Special. Scott Smith Super Bowl Special. Yeah, we're having the fam over. I am in charge of planning the food, and I have yet to send out the email to plan it, so I should probably get on that. Oh, you should. I'm taking the kids over to a friend's house, okay. um, and I volunteered to bring my super special grilled shrimp recipe. He's firing up the charcoal grill, and we're going to have a great time. So that sound. Can you make a stop in Glen Ellen? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Is that sarcastic? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Oh, well... In that case, Josh, bye. Scott Smith Super Bowl special. Scott Smith. Was that was that episode like at all listenable? 
It was hard. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Hashtag taxnerd. <laughs>